My name is Morgan Vincent, and in this week's episode, we have Stephen Duncan to discuss the theme of He, speaking of Jesus, died for us. Stephen, welcome and thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to be here. Hey, no, this is going to be good. And, you know, I, I think something, Stephen, I've enjoyed about, um, yeah, where we've been going the last few weeks is how everything's kind of building and preempting to what we're talking about today. And, you know, we've looked at, you know, resurrections from, from the Old Testament and, um, you know, we've, sp- we've spoken about how there's, you know, it kind of all went wrong at the beginning, but there was this plan put in place. And today, really, we're, we're unpacking that. And so, you know, when, when we think about all of this, you know, there's really nothing of more importance than to speak of, you know, how Jesus died for us and, and what this means. And I guess to, to kind of set the, the course of where we're going today, uh, I just want to bring out some thoughts that, you know, Christ, you know, he was resurrected from the dead, which obviously means that he died. Mm. And I just want to reference here from John 12, verse 27, where Jesus is there in, in agony in Gethsemane. He's, he's anticipating his death and he prays, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. And I guess what we're going to look at is, well, what was that purpose? You know, why did Jesus, you know, you know, the, the, the son of God who, you know, um, lived outside of time and, and, and yet came into this world, then came to this purpose, mm. this moment, this hour, is essentially what we're wanting to look at. And, you know, the focus of his death and what it means for us and for our, our listeners as well. Yeah, it's such a, it really is a completely crazy concept when you actually think about it. The fact that um, the creator of the world and the one who made everything, he decided that this is what I'm going to do. And when he gets into the middle of what that's actually like, he sticks with it. Um, I mean, (laughs) we all have like New Year's resolutions and whatnot that we do. And it's always amusing sadly, sometimes where we always talk up, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. This is what we're going to get through. This is going to be great. And then we'll get maybe like two, three days, weeks, maybe a month. Um, but for a lot of people that, that passion, that desire, um, when a challenge comes up or something like that, it kind of peters off. Mm. Um, and Jesus is in the middle of this where he's at this point where he has to make that decision. Is he actually going to go through with it? And unlike the rest of humanity, he decides, yeah, I'm actually going to go through with this. He knows that it's going to suck. He knows that it's going to be a massive challenge for him, Mm. but he sticks with it. And that really stands out to me. And it shows the resilience that he has, but not just the resilience as well. It shows the amount of care and the amount of value that he actually puts on the rest of humanity, Mm. how much he cares for his disciples and that he knows this is what he's got to do. Um, to be able to save humanity and he puts humanity's life above his own. Mm. And it's absolutely amazing that he chooses to do that. Hmm. Yeah. He puts humanity's life above his own. I love that. And, you know, we, we want to speak about how, and the Bible brings this out in a number of occasions, this, this idea of, you know, from the foundation of the world. Mm. And, and I guess really what, what we see in those closing moments of, of Jesus' life, you know, there in Gethsemane and upon the cross, you know, a little later on, it's it's almost like a 
like a, a little kernel of truth. It's like this little window and insight into essentially mm-hmm. what has been in the heart of God since always. This, yeah. this, this heart of, you know, self-sacrificing love that even if things were to go wrong for, for this earth, there was this plan in place. Yeah, like, I mean, we know that it gets set in place back in Genesis 3. As soon as Adam and Eve mess up, God's like, okay, here's the plan to fix it. Mm. Um, he he already has a fallback set in motion for if humanity messes everything up, and he, he willingly puts it into place, and Jesus takes that leap, and he says, yes, that's that's what I'm going to do. Um, for the disciples, I don't know if they fully understood that. Mm. Because their attitude toward Jesus, every single time Jesus says, you know what, here's the plan, I'm going to die, I'm going to go through pain, I'm going to get crucified, and then I'm going to get raised. And then Peter jumps up and he's like, no way, that's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be with you right to the end. <laughs> and they they just don't understand how important that foundational plan is. And I think a lot of the time we don't understand God's plans. Um God understands so much more than we do, and we see what we see, and then we make interpretations from that. And guys like Peter, when he jumps up and he says, "No, Jesus, you're not gonna. I'm not gonna let that happen." Um, Jesus can see that Peter doesn't fully understand it, but he knows that that's that is what's gonna happen. This is the plan. We're not deviating from that plan, and I think it's great that Jesus had the strength to go through with that. Mm. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, Stephen, to, to go on from what you're saying is that, you know, there, there were glimpses of this throughout the Old Testament, you know, where, you know, every, it's like, you know, the whole sanctuary and, and temple and services and sacrifices, like, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't just for nothing. It's not like God, it's not like, you know, Yahweh was, was like the other gods of civilization where he was just this bloodthirsty God. It's like, no, quite the opposite. He was in fact putting these these you know almost like object lessons in place to kind of capture the attention of people to say, look, this is actually how costly sin is. Mm. You know, like so 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 in need is this world of a savior that me, the son of God, is going to go through with actually giving my own life. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's funny how um, those rituals were in place for so long. And the disciples would have been familiar with them. Mm. They would have understood that concept of this pure lamb that had no blemishes. They had to take it to the sacrifice, and they understood that procedure. And they probably would have done it themselves. They would have been there with their parents. They would have um, gone in and taken their kids if they had any kids or in the future. And so they they know that. And when Jesus starts referring to himself as the Lamb of God, he's starting to plant that seed in their heads of, hey, mm. this is actually has something to do with reality. This just isn't a tradition that's been happening for a thousand years now. There's purpose behind it. And I love that Jesus reminds the disciples of that purpose. And he reminds us of that purpose too, where we don't go through and we don't sacrifice <laughs> these days. And I'm very grateful for that. But there's still purpose behind what Jesus did. There's still purpose behind the traditions that we generally do in our worship services, in our church services, the way we do communions and everything like that. We might get 
sometimes a bit bored of the traditions, but there's a big purpose behind it. And I love that Jesus reminds us consistently of that mm. purpose and what that really is there for. It's a good point. It's it's a really good point because we could we we could go to the extreme of saying, well, just let's just get rid of it all, you know. But <laughs> yeah. But there's there's yeah, there's there's benefit to it, there's value to it. Wanna to, wanna to put a question to you, Stephen. How can the fam- like no, no 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 why? Why does the familiar sometimes lose its meaning? Mm. In the sense of it's almost like you know, the, the Israelite people have had, you know, thousands of years of, you know, these, these sacrifices and, and it was very clear, like all throughout, and we can retrospectively look back and think, okay, it's all pointing obviously to Jesus, but it almost became so familiar to them. So I, I, I'm wondering how, how can the familiar almost lose its, its intended meaning and purpose, even for us today, but yeah. also for the disciples too? Um. Look, that's a great question. The The challenge that we face every single time we get a habit of doing something, that habit eventually becomes second nature. So like simple habit to talk about, right? Um, after you've been outside running around in the dirt and soil, stuff like that, you come in, you're going to make dinner, you wash your hands first. You just get used to washing your hands. Um, hands get dirty, hands get messy. Oh, not going to touch food, going to go wash my hands. Um, same thing, go to the bathroom, wash your hands. Um, we don't think about the reason why we wash our hands now, right? We know that when we're learning to wash our hands, that we're doing that to make sure there's no more germs. We're not getting anything like on the food or anything like that. We're making sure our hands are clean so that we could go and shake another person's hand. We're not transferring anything that we shouldn't. There's that knowledge and understanding behind it, but we don't think about that as we're washing our hands now, it's just sort of like, oh, I got to wash my hands. Okay, we go and do that. Mm. Um, and then when someone doesn't do that, we kind of make a joke about it, rile them up, that sort of thing. Just mm-hmm. as a culture, that's what we tend to do. But I think it's the same thing when it comes to our spiritual walk, where we get so used to doing something that we forget sometimes the reason why we do that. And I think it's so important that as the leaders in our churches, um, if you're in a position of leadership of anything, it's really important to stop and take note and ask that question, why do we do this? Why should we take part in a communion service? Why should we wash people's feet? Um, Why do we take this bread and this grape juice um, three, four, maybe more times a year? Um, And by pausing and actually asking that question, it flicks us out of that autopilot mode. It actually gets us to go, ah, okay, why is that important for me? Everybody has their own different reason, but I think it's important to do that because that brings it back down to reality. We're no longer stuck just doing that same thing again and again, no longer getting grumpy of, oh yeah, we have communion again. again. Yeah, I have to go through and awkwardly wash someone else's feet. Um, we we don't like doing all those sorts of things, but when we stop and when we pause, we see the beauty of it. Mm. We see the amazing love that Christ is trying to show his disciples in those moments. Um, we get to see the amazing promises that God has for us when he says to his disciples, hey, look, um, I'm not going to take part in this particular service again 
until we're reunited in heaven. This is Jesus putting something aside that he would have grown up with too. That was a Mm. massive important part of his life. And he's saying, I'm not going to do this anymore until we're reconnected. He's taking something that he enjoys and he's removing that from himself and then promising the disciples the next time he does this, he's going to do that with them. Mm. And it's so important for us to be able to realize that too. And when we stop and think, we really do get out of that uh, just endless drone monotone of life and we get to stop and we get to look around and we get to see how awesome and how amazing God is in hmm. that. Yeah, it's cool. And it, it is, it's it's stopping and, and, and thinking, asking the why, being intentional about it. Because I think for, for many of us and maybe for many of our listeners, we when it's like, oh, Jesus died for us, you know, we can just... We've heard it, you know, many times before, but mm. something that, that, you know, that stands out with this is that um, the whole plan of salvation brings to light the substitutionary death of Jesus. Mm. In that, you know, let's say, you know, I'm an Israelite and I bring my, my lamb to be sacrificed. Like I'm, I'm, I'm saying that this little lamb is going to die and then I get off free. Jesus <clears throat> comes along in a far greater way and once for all, as Paul would say, you know, once for all, that um, Jesus dies when it should have been me, it should have been you, it should have been each one of us. And so it, it brings to light, you know, very, and, and you touched on this before, Stephen, is that, you know, Jesus put the life of humanity before his own. And, and, you know, we could even say it another way that, that God values us more than his own existence. It's like, he, he's willing to go through <laughs> yeah. this. He's willing to go through this and say, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to substitute myself and I'm going to, as the son of God, take their place, die in the place of the sinner where it should have been me. Mm. And it's, it's radical because it's like. As Paul would say in Romans six twenty three, you know, for the wages of sin is death. Like that's all we have earned as sinners, like death. Yeah. And yet the gift of God is eternal life. Like Jesus, he dies the death we deserve, but then gives us the life that he deserves. Yeah. Like the... The willingness to make that switch willingness. absolutely like blows my word. mind. Because mm. Jesus didn't have to do that. Um, he was well within his rights when humanity messed up and when we sinned um, to just go, well, that didn't work out. Let's try something different. Mm. But he didn't. And he chose to take that hard route. He chose to do the hardest thing that anybody has to do. Like when you listen to stories of people saying, no, I took that brunt for them. Um, Or if you think of a time where somebody took flack for what you did. Um, I can think of times when um, I, um, when I was a young student um, in high school, um, I did some stuff that was pretty dumb. Um, we won't talk about that. No, 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 <laughs> no. But the the outcome of that was one of the teachers stepped in um, and took a lot of the heat for me. Mm-hmm. Um, they spoke up to the people who were part of that whole disciplinary action. Um, and I wasn't there in that meeting. I don't know how that conversation went, but he came out of that meeting saying, hey, you're all good. Um, you don't have to do anything else. You're... Everything's sorted now. 
And for me, that was huge because I'd never seen somebody illustrate that taking brunt for me in any way before. And Jesus does this and even more so. He doesn't just go into a disciplinary hearing and then come out and then <laughs> let us know. But he gave his life mm. for us. Um, and the fact that he was willing to do that and he was reminding his disciples of that and going through this entire process, he was sticking to it for the whole time is absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, and it, it just speaks volumes to me, knowing that my God cares about me so mm. much that he's willing to take the ultimate punishment. He He's willing to take on all that challenge so that I don't have to. Mm. Um, so that there is that promise where when we get to the end of this life, we know that there's something more. We know that um, Jesus has set something up so that we get to be reunited with him, and I can't wait for that day, and I think <laughs> it's going to be awesome. No, that's great, and um, it, it's encouraging here to hear, Stephen, what it means to you personally because I think, you know, for many of us, we it's almost we can get lost in the, you know, in almost the cosmic nature of it, like God loves the world. Yeah. And, and we can kind of almost, and again, not, not to make, not to make the individual, the focus, but to realize that, hold on, Jesus died for me is, is powerful. And you've said it a few times, the word willing. And, and to me, that was a big turning point in my life when I realized that, you know, the father wasn't twisting the arm of Jesus, the son. No, not like this was place. a very, this was a very willing voluntary thing. Yeah. Um, and I want to bring up something that, that Paul speaks about in, in, I mean, we could talk about this for, for days, Stephen, but <laughs> I'm sure we could, you know, in Romans five, it reads from verse six to eight. It says, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And verse seven is interesting. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Now, I don't know about you, Stephen, mm. but if we were to think on the spot of, of a, a quote unquote righteous person, yeah. you know, let's, let's just say a, a person in society that, that, you know, it's, it's, it's in good in regular standing, someone that, that we would look up to and think that that's, that's someone that we could model our lives of, mm. uh, lives off rather. I still don't know whether I'd actually die for that person <laughs> yeah. as, as good as they are, as noble as they are, as much as they've done for, you know, charity or, you know, humanity or, the work of God, whatever it is they've done, I still don't know whether I'd give my life for them. But Paul goes on to say, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. Mm. But, as if to kind of contrast it now, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. <laughs> and so it's like, it's like, hang on. Paul's saying it's pretty rare to find someone willing to die for a righteous and good person. Yeah. But God demonstrates his love love for us in that Christ died not for the righteous, but for sinners. Yeah, like um the the thing that pops into my head, um I watched the movie uh Inside Out um a couple of days ago, and there's this scene there where um Riley is this little kid and she's starting to go through that whole like boy face and everything like that. And there's this, um, there's this thought that she has of this perfect guy. And the one line that this perfect guy says in her imagination is I would die for Riley. 
<laughs> um, and in her mind, she sees herself as worthy enough for someone else to die for her. Um, and it's this great idea where, like, the person that you might be romantically connected to one day would be willing to give their life for you. But it broadens the question of, okay, willingly to give your life for that person that you love dearly is one thing. Mm. Willing to give, willingness to give your life for the person who lives next door, who has the annoying pets that make so much noise at 5 a.m. in the morning, who comes over and just leaves the rubbish on your front lawn, um, that's something entirely different. And Jesus goes to the next level again, and he dies for everybody, including the people who are in that action of killing him. Mm. Um, that level of self-sacrifice just doesn't make sense to us. Um, but Jesus willingly did that because the love that he had for his creation was so powerful that he looked right through everything that they did. Um, when the soldiers are nailing Jesus to the cross, and Jesus prays and he says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Mm. Um, that, that shows so much of how much love Jesus has that he's willing to look past the actions for what the people are doing to him. He could have taken that self-righteous approach and then just said, look, yeah, they're the ones that killed God. Uh, sorry, buddy, you're out. <laughs> Which is completely valid in our thinking. But Jesus doesn't do that. He takes this completely different perspective where he says, look, forgive these people who are doing this. They don't understand it. They, they, they're just doing their job. They might have a lot of anger. They might take joy in doing this, some of them. But God forgive them anyway. Um, and that attitude is, it's, it, it doesn't happen in our culture. Mm. Um, the lengths that Jesus went to, to show that love is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I think we as followers of Jesus, that's, that's a tough standard to live up to. And I don't expect anybody to go through and have that kind of love for somebody who caused them so much pain. But that's what the character of God does. Mm. That's what the character of Christ does when we let that impact our lives so much. We begin to look at the people who cause out, who make our life a real challenge. We begin to look at them not as somebody who is evil and someone who is of the devil, which we like to put people in boxes sometimes. But instead we begin to see, hey, God really loves them too. And God died for them just as much as he died for me. And that puts us on equal terms. And that is not comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Being on equal terms with the person who's causing so much havoc in our lives. But that's what the death of Jesus does. It makes us all equal, regardless of where we've been, what we've done, what we've said. We all need Jesus as much as the next person. Yeah. Um, and that love just overrides everything. Um, we know that love covers a multitude of sins. Um, and that's what Jesus does here. And it's wonderful to see. Mm. It's, um, <clears throat> it's hard, Stephen, for us to, to not speak about his resurrection, but, but I guess for, for, for where we're going today, you know, we really want to kind of zoom in a little more, um, particularly when Jesus, you know, there upon the cross, you've, you've given us an, an image of, you know, what that was like and, 
And then he says this three-word phrase, at least in translated for English for us, it is finished. Mm. Now, it's such a loaded phrase, it is finished. Like so much meaning, there's so much depth to what Jesus is, is saying here. You know, he could have come down from the cross and saved himself. But yet there, in the sense, he's like, well, you know, I, I could book it out of here and go back to heaven. But he's like, <laughs> easily, you know, he, he, you know, he didn't want to be in heaven without us. He didn't want to be in heaven, you know, knowing that this world was in need. And yet there he goes through with this to, to the final end of, of giving his life to the point of it ending his life. And yet he says, it is finished, Hmm. you know, as if to say that, that Satan, his kingdom is defeated. Yeah. Not destroyed, but defeated. And, and it's, it's, you know, he dies a conqueror, which is such a a radical thing because it's like, yeah, the, the very, the very empire that the Jews wanted out, he was nailed to an instrument of their torture, that being a Roman cross. Yeah. And yet he dies victorious. He dies a conqueror, which you think, what? Like it, it's the paradox of salvation in that it's like you die, like you win in actually dying. And yet, you know, for us, when we think about this, we, how often do we think, okay, when I, when I give up my life for something or someone or some instance, do, do I see that as a win? And yet for Jesus, he, he's giving his life. He says it is finished. He declares and announces that Satan's kingdom has been defeated. Yeah. The whole it is finished thing, like from a historical perspective, that question had been up in the air for millennia. What's God going to do? Mm. How's God going to get rid of sin? Um, why is this? Why do we have to deal with this? Why does um, the followers of Yahweh, why did they have to go through and <laughs> kill lots of innocent little animals? Um, and when Jesus says it's finished, he puts a stop to all of that because finally the character of God and the character of Satan are both on display to the nth degree. Um, the character of God is that willingness to go so far that, he will physically put his life on the line for his creation. And the character of Satan is he will go so far as to kill the one who created him to try and take his power. And when Jesus stands, uh, when Jesus is hanging on that cross and he says that it is finished, it's the culmination of the battle. It's, It's this final battle that, has been won by Jesus. And it's ironic because I'm sure Satan in that moment is also agreeing with Jesus of, yes, it's finished. Yes, Jesus is dead. Yes, I've won. Um, But there's this deeper meaning for Jesus where he knows that that sacrifice has been made. That door has now been opened for anybody and everybody to reconnect with God. They no longer had to do some kind of sacrifice to go and 
get their sins to be forgiven. They no longer had to stand in line with other people who are all kind of also standing in line waiting um, to take this little sheep or goat or animal and whatever it is to transfer their sins onto that. They no longer had to do that. And Jesus is saying, it's finished. That door is now open for everyone. It's no longer just shut for certain people who have the right password. So that is finished. That whole process of forgiveness is finished. Now, if anybody wants to come to Jesus, they can. And now you and I can come to Jesus Mm -hmm. wherever we are at whatever time. Um, And I'm so glad that he did that for us. Um, I'm sure Satan didn't realize what it is finished meant at that time, but he did receive quite a wake up call a couple of days later. Yeah. Yeah. Look, Stephen, we, we're going to wrap it up there. I think it's a great place to end because we, we see how far Jesus was willing to go you mm. know, that, that, you know, he, he didn't spare his life, but he gave his life up. And now for us, we get all the benefits from that. We get eternal life, forgiveness, you know, like a clear conscience to know that that we don't have to live with guilt and shame anymore. Mm. Um, Jesus died for us once for all, and we can live because he died. And so for our listeners, um, thanks for joining us again today. Um, Stephen, thanks for for participating and, yeah, really sharing some some really insightful Uh, points on on this of how Jesus died for us. So thanks, Stephen. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. 